Hello there, and welcome to another Sports Next Door podcast. My name is Owen. Today is Wednesday, August 31st, and after a significant hiatus, uh, plus two days, because I was not ready to go on Monday, we are back, and I am joined, as I always am, by my neighbor Max. How's it going, my friend? Um, in a little bit of shambles over one word difference over your opening script, uh, changing I'm it up. Rusty, I'm out yeah. of practice. <laughs> you really get locked in the rhythm, and then you take yourself out of it, and who knows what comes out? One whole word. Uh, no, I'm good though. In the middle of a life transition, switching from my last week of work, where next week I'll have a week of too little or too much free time. I'm not quite sure how I feel about it and then uh, the week after going back to school so that's almost starting to feel real um, but not quite yet so uh, in a bit of that gray zone area and uh, looking at summer in the rearview mirror a little yeah shocking stuff we'll still have some nice weather into September but oh totally but summer when you're in September, you don't feel like you're in summer. It, it's not just about the weather. It's about the mentality. It's about the infrastructure of what your city's putting on, um, the spirit of what's going on, the lack of sports that's going on, uh, the opening availability of ice cream shops. I don't know. Take your pick. Um, summer is winding down. That's how I'm doing. But you just got back from Scotland. How are you doing? I am. I did. I uh, I mean, how I'm doing right now is probably not as good as I was doing <laughs> on my trip. It was a it was a incredibly memorable trip, and I had a lot of fun. Um, so, I mean, I'm happy to be back and talking with you. But getting back into the swing of things has been a, a little bit interesting. Experiencing the classic jet lag, where uh, you live. In a country for two weeks that's five hours ahead you're waking up early and you're ready to go to bed uh, around now if i'm being honest um so i'm trying to fight that and yeah really really special trip um got to see a ton of things there a lot of castles uh, a lot of rain a lot of green uh, mountains oceans lakes you name it uh love the nature and uh, edinburgh and glasgow are two pretty interesting cities with distinct uh, vibes to them although they did come closer together because Edinburgh was having a garbage strike while we were there uh, so things got a little bit dirtier and, and closer in, in relation to Glasgow uh, got to visit the Ibrox Stadium home of the Rangers uh, the second best team in the Scottish Premiership I'm talking footy uh, had to bring had to bring sports into it uh, and caught a couple matches. They just they do things different over there. Um, watching some soccer in a pub was was an interesting treat to get uh, on on the European side. And uh, didn't spend much time thinking or watching sports. So I've been trying to catch up over the last couple days, and I'm feeling refreshed and I'm feeling ready to go. Even if there's not too too much to talk about, I think that'll change starting next week. Uh, we've got a, a little bit of everything on today's podcast, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I guess the big ones you missed, or the biggest piece of news you missed, the Kadri signing. Um, other than that, pretty slow August in terms of sports news. We chose the right time for the hiatus, but I think you're right. Stuff is picking up here. 
uh, the U.S. Open going on, which I've got on screen right now as Kyrgios uh, and Bonzi go into the fourth set. Um, but we'll get to that when we get to that for some basketball. Oh. Yeah, we have had a couple of storylines come through, and I know it was a big thing for us before the break, but the Kevin Durant saga finally feels like uh, this chapter of it is coming to a close uh, with reaching that, that agreement with Josai, with Bobby Marks, uh, or Sean Marks, pardon me, and and Steve Nash there, that they're all going to stick together, run it back, uh, and he's going to have to, once again, lead a, a talented Brooklyn Nets team that is as dysfunctional as it comes. And <laughs> he, uh, he's he been very active on social media. The hashtag BlameKD campaign is... It's so amusing, um, and somehow he's eventually going to turn this around and have the internet behind him with just how much of a troll he is, but for now he's been taking a, a ton, a ton of heat for it, and I think everyone's just looking forward to watching him. I don't know if suffers the right word for it, um, but have to deal with having Kyrie Irving and Ben Simmons on his team and uh, slogging through another full season with half of them playing if it, like uh, the big story has been um over under 130 games between the three of them <laughs> and, <laughs> and that feeling like a very easy under to take but yeah um yeah to be determined there i don't know if you have any additional thoughts on it but just i'm glad this part of it is finally over and that we'll get to see him play yeah i i think winning does solve everything and when and the opposite of that, also true, coming off a first-round sweep loss. Uh, the target on his back has never, well, that alone made the target on his back massive. Uh, his requests and behavior after doing only enlarging it. So I don't know about getting a lot of support back, but when he's winning, the short-term memory can be a lot more forgetful for other GMs who are maybe going to be look at that trade next year. Um, and, and just the, this was for sure the biggest narrative of the summer. And uh, with that settled, there's a bit of a vacuum for some other story narrative overhead to take the charge, whatever that is. Um, the one other thing is it'll be interesting to revisit this in maybe three, four years, like post the next collective bargaining and one or two off seasons after that to assess where we're at in the player empowerment era. Uh, sometimes as storytellers, we like to maybe exaggerate the impact of certain events for narrative purposes. But I really feel like the uh, LeBron Miami, the decision was like a kind of the opening chapter or a new chapter in the player empowerment era that we've seen over the last decade. And this feels like it could be the end of that chapter, um, just in terms of it, it seemed to only be growing, like how much strength and control players had over their um, contract situation, where they played, if they played, um, just going from AD to Harden, even going back to Kawhi and the Spurs, um, the one year a lot more benign, I'd say, than that other stuff. Um, so it, it's not like I think this is going to reverse it and there's going to be none of those situ aforementioned situations. Uh, we'll get to Donovan Mitchell in a second. Yeah. Um, 
but we've seen the ceiling. When you have four years left on your contract, um, you can't just demand out and snap your fingers and it's going to happen. We've seen a check on that. Uh, so that's, like I said, we'll try and revisit that and see if it, the status goes less to what it is right now, because we've seen where it won't go. Um, but we've certainly seen the ceiling there. Yeah, no, that's a fantastic point. And like you mentioned, it's going to be fascinating to see what the next evolution of this. I mean, we have Kyrie Irving and Ben Simmons still exist, and we're going to get more drama from them next year that you could throw into this player empowerment piece. If Ben Simmons is going to even play next season has been like this tiny bit on my mind all summer, which is just... <laughs> Like going back to last season after that, like that was a huge story, all the Ben yeah. Simmons stuff, but with the Kyrie and KD in the front seat, that's just taken, I don't know if I'm speaking for everyone, but personally, like that's been hardly, like I really have no idea if he's going to like be there on game one, if it's still something they're looking to adjust to mid season. Uh, and that might be to Simmons benefit, honestly. Um, but <laughs> Yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, we've still seen other players benefit from it. Uh, Bradley Beal comes to mind, getting a massive contract and a and a no trade clause on a huge deal that Washington basically had to give him, or else uh, we saw the Zion contract come through. That's a big one, and that might be the next guy uh, who who makes a decision and and overplays almost the power and influence that he has in the league um but the one that is applicable right now like you mentioned is is donovan mitchell and someone who has tried to force his way out and it every day becomes more likely that we will see him on a not superb utah jazz team like this is it's not it's going to be rough for him next year unless he is moved and his big shot of moving to New York, which I, I just never even knew why New York would do it in the first place with with Brunson coming in and having Barrett uh, there already. But Barrett probably would be going the other way in that deal, and, and that seems less likely now, as the Knicks had given Utah the deadline of Monday evening uh, to make the final trade adjustments that they had demanded. Utah, Danny Ainge didn't comply, and and the Knicks go ahead and sign R.J. Barrett to a four-year, hundred million dollar extension. Um, it's a it's a great contract there for R.J. Uh, he so happy for him to get that extension. He's got a really high ceiling still at twenty-two years old and and a great scoring touch. I think he hasn't ascended to the spot where many hoped he would be at this point in his career. Feels very similar to Andrew Wiggins almost, where a lot of scoring potential um, and you haven't seen some of the other pieces to the game that you would like to see. Um, but I think Barrett is a guy who's committed to getting better and we're going to see that pay off very soon. It just will depend on where that's going to be for him. And so what that means is the poison pill restriction comes into effect uh, for this contract and we now see uh, it go into effect in this trade. And so what Barrett 
ended up used to being. I think he's around $11 million on his rookie deal right now. Uh, he's going to be in that $25 million range in this trade. And what that means is with Donovan Mitchell at $30 million, and obviously Utah thinking the Knicks have to throw in more players. Evan Fournier was initially going to be in that deal to match salaries. They can't throw him in now. They can't throw in any of the guys who make basically over $10 because it's not going to fit into cap compliance um, in this trade for Utah. And so it makes the deal infinitely more difficult to pull off and really slims the chances of Mitchell moving. And it's going to be interesting to see how he re reacts. Is he going to do uh, what the millennials are doing these days and quiet quit on the team, show up, play a place to his role, not do anything super spectacular, not play uh, hard, hard, hard defense, and just hope to be traded almost like a James Harden approach in Houston? Or is he going to go out there and try hard and uh, lead his team all the way to the 12th seed in the West? We shall see. <laughs> Oh, come on. He can make a solid 10th before getting knock the team knocked out in the first game of the play-in series. Um, yeah, it for where Utah is at and what their projections are, it really doesn't make sense for them to hold on to Donovan Mitchell coming into the next year. Um, so I still feel like this trade just makes sense. Um, but everyone we were waiting on that kd deal to see this deal happen we're eight days out from that story now uh, as you mentioned the deadline the knicks set having passed and the barrett signing coming shortly after that does really indicate that's not going to happen i've heard the lakers um had some interest in being a third team in this deal, I believe they're still kind of fingers crossed hoping there's a way they could unload westbrook um, Did so, you talk about the Beverly trade? No. Um, <gasps> oh I think there was God. a little after. Yeah, I, that's going to be interesting for sure. I mean, according to Twitter, according to Patrick Beverly's Twitter, they are, are happy to be together and looking forward to the season. But that's so hard to imagine based on their history. That it was just, I laughed out loud when I read that headline. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> that the Lakers were going to need to dedicate another podcast to just talk about season expectations. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know what to expect from Mitchell on the quiet quit or show his value because he occupies a weird space where he's not that top tier talent that maybe your any GM is happy to shell out max contract salary space for, but in the league with the way the status is, players of that like in between first and second tier still get those contracts and teams need to find a way to build around them. Uh, just tougher to trade, but I guess like can you is Utah gonna lower its uh, expectations for the assets they can get? Is seems to be the deciding factor and uh from Ainge's behavior so far I, I'm not sure what you'd put the over under on there yeah I, I I don't think he gets traded just simply because there's like Ainge wins trades that's what he's good yeah. at and he's he's I don't think there's much out there that he is going to be appealing for him unless there's a player around Mitchell's value and I just don't think there's one available uh and Mitchell's young enough that However much it sucks for him, 
you suffer through two years of rebuilding. Um, maybe this team somehow falls and gets Victor Wembanyama, and that instantly restarts your your trajectory as a team. So maybe it's two years, and then he's, what, 26, 27, and coming into his prime with a young and up-and-coming core around him, and, and that could be really a fun and exciting team. Um, we've seen Shea Gilgis-Alexander suffer through a couple of seasons now and hoping that they can get it turned around. Obviously not so with Chet Holmgren out for the season. That was that was a tough one, but maybe Mitchell will be in a similar situation. Mm-hmm. Hey, I saw in the onion that he'll definitely be back to play a full nine games in the coming season, Chet that is, so don't <laughs> oh, worry, yeah. Oklahoma fans. Yeah, a full nine games. Uh, poor OKC fans. This was going to be the start of something, but now we'll see uh, Shea sat down again for another year just killing his development uh josh giddy it's gonna be josh giddy time and could you imagine if they end up with with when ben yama oh holmgren <laughs> uh, uh shea dort and and giddy as a lineup that would be wild disgusting um, yeah we, we, we don't even need to think that far ahead but uh for in shea's case uh i'm hoping that because of this, he can throw in more of his energy to helping Team Canada make the World Cup and, and put up a performance there, or Olympics, pardon me. Because uh, if he's not going to play a full season in OKC, he's got time to definitely lead this team. And, and that's what he's done so far as we transition in some international hoops talk. Um, I don't know if you saw the Giannis-Jokic matchup a couple days ago, Max. There's some great highlights from that. But... Uh, Canada still undefeated so far in the FIBA Basketball World Cup qualifications. Uh, they did beat Argentina the other week, and then they did throttle uh, the Dominican very recently, or, or pardon me, and Panama very recently. And so they are well on their way to uh, easy qualification, but it's been great to see Shea Gilgis Alexander uh, leading this team, Kelly Olinick putting in work, Corey Joseph. Uh, as well as some of the unnamed guys who have been on the team for a while now who aren't coming over from the NBA. And uh, yeah, Team Canada, not only up and coming in soccer, but basketball as well. And I'm looking forward to seeing what that uh, Olympic and World Cup team looks like in the near future. Yeah, a bit of a weird thing to follow because as we're seeing Jokic and Giannis play, um, we're hearing about how like, they're not willing to risk Barrett. Um, a couple other NBA talents, I can't um, pick the names off the top of my head, who weren't allowed by their teams to compete in this. Um, but the talent discrepancy is still more than enough to get them through. Just it um, makes me like wonder what the lineup will actually look like come the World Cup time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, hope to see this program build for the Olympics over the next three years. Um, seeing the hype that that like the Jokic Giannis matchup can generate, it would be great to see that um, the Canadian teams like pride and prestige get to a level where NBA execs also don't really have a choice but to let all of our players play in the tournaments. Yep. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, that's gonna do it for basketball. We'll go into some hockey here. We are now in the absolute dead of summer with hockey news uh, after the Kadri trade. Not much. Uh, Tage Thompson signing a five-year deal 
or seven years, fifty million with the Buffalo Sabers. But to be completely honest, don't care. <laughs> um, but then our boy Phil the Thrill signing a one-year deal with the Vegas Golden Knights. He is joining the Death Star, um, and and looking forward to seeing what he can do there this season. Uh, don't know if he's going to get an opportunity to play up on the top line, maybe with Jack Eichel. That could be a bit of a punch, but I think he'll probably sit down in the bottom six, uh, do his thing, continue to play hockey games, because that's just uh, all he does. And I was saw on social media somewhere that two of his pretty significant games, uh, firstly tying the Ironman streak, the all-time Ironman streak. Uh, he will be playing against the Arizona Coyotes, I believe, so his former team. And then if he continues to play, his 1,000th straight game played of Ironman will be against the Toronto Maple Leafs. So a oh. couple former teams there on, on his milestones that I thought I'd throw out there as an interesting tidbit. And we, we, of course, wish Phil the best of luck wherever he's headed. And maybe this means Vegas uh, Cup's coming home. Yeah, that at $1.5 that you can't go wrong. Um, even if all he knows how to do is score these days, there's still a place for that in your bottom six. Oh, and uh, some valuable. fun power play um, opportunities to, to throw in there. Uh, you sort of touched on what was the biggest piece of hockey news for me this week, um, the Buffalo Sabres bringing back the old logo, sort of. I don't know if you saw it, though. Uh, I don't think I did. They're bringing back the the early 2000s look. Yeah. Um, I, like, I'm so happy about it. Oh, um, that's pretty slick. This logo. Yeah, the, the new one is, what it would they call it, the... The saber slug. Uh, um, they're calling it the goat head. Okay. Uh, yeah. No. I mean, their current one. The or oh no, the saber slug was what they had f until uh, two thousand nine, two thousand ten, and then this this one with the two swords. It's just, it's just not it, man. No, I like the, the uh, I like the goat's head. I'm happy yeah, they're yeah. bringing it back. It's like I can't. I think they had a run to maybe the semis quarters I, mm -hmm. uh, I remember watching them play against the uh senators as a kid mm -hmm. and like that iconography was just so like villain era iconic um happy to see that yeah it's uh it's gonna cut down on their fun collar schemes and they're not gonna have as, as exciting jerseys i imagine with that logo but it is more classic like that mm -hmm. white jersey with that logo is just it's formidable yeah, might have to look into that as a Christmas gift. That like black, white, and red is. I love that on the Team Canada, and love that. Uh, excited to see that, and I feel like that's contrary to most of the jersey trends I've seen over the last two to three years. I Where find they... it so difficult to buy hockey jerseys, though they are, they are spicy yeah. on the wallet. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm really struggling to find an Ananobi jersey, though, so I might just have to give up on that one and settle that's back what amazon hockey. is for my guy sell your soul to bezos i just like i want quality if i go in and uh not always seen that on the amazon ones but no that's exactly the point but you can get it for 60 bucks <laughs> yeah but like i i'll spend another 40 50 and like no i have that like for life and can use it and wear it and yeah, all that all good right. stuff all right
be sensible. <laughs> yeah, well, if maybe if I was trying to fill an entire wall with them, I'd look at it a little differently. Yeah, not allowed to do that anymore. <laughs> have it in the student house, though. <laughs> now we got now we got uh, the mythical creatures of the Scottish and British Isles up here. Right, right. Much more adult and sensible. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll move on here to tennis talk. And the U.S. Open in full swing. Historically been a good tournament for Canadians with a couple of finals appearances uh, from our women in, in the last two seasons. And, and now we are seeing some success continue into 2022. And Max, you've been following it closely. And I'm looking forward to hearing as he makes a couple reactions in the Kyrgios match right now. Uh, what's going on there, buddy? Oh my, uh, defending himself from another break there in the fourth set here. And uh, Kyrgios got broken, I thought, and then broke right back, uh, but had to fight off another break point. Went for a super risky drop shot. That was the first uh, face you saw me make. But the man has such nice touch at the net and has added such fantastic court movement to his game uh, going into deuce point number three. It is, I love to have the sports on while we do the podcast, but it definitely does take 10 to 30 percent off my uh concentration on the conversation at times so better uh, than me as they go through this deuce i'll try and settle in on what we've seen so far uh the canadian six and oh at the u.s open so far with uh rebecca manorino no, sounds gonna, right sounds right i'm gonna make sure i have that name right um but she gets through the second round so the first canadian Becky. Yeah, Rebecca Marino. I got pretty close there. All right, um, round of applause for Max. <laughs> and go. uh, the good, the other good news for her, the player she beat, uh, someone who upset Simona Halep. Uh, so you know that was like Damn, the big. She don't seed. even get a name. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, uh, Ukraine's Daria Snig. Oh. I think no name is worse than the brutality of the mispronunciation <laughs> that would follow. Okay. Right. Um, but Marino, maybe uh, not too many seated players uh, uh, on her way through to the quarterfinals. Uh, and maybe she can be the third um, relatively hitherto unheralded Canadian to make a deep run at the U.S. Open in the past three to four years. Uh, also on the women's side, Layla Bianca getting through their first round matches. Uh, they're both playing tonight, as is Felix Auger-Aliassime, whose match against Alexander Richard I was able to catch most of in the first round. Um, couple rough spots, some great play from the Swiss at times to test him, but for the most part, uh, Felix able to stay comfortable uh, as he tries to find his rhythm. Six. Yeah, sorry, I'm I'm just counting it out. How, what's our sixth? And oh, is that is Pospisil through? Is that the sixth no, no, uh, Marino? Like you, it's Marino, I was counting Layla, six wins. Bianca. Yeah, Marino, Bianca, Layla. This is great podcasting. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Dennis, Felix. Who's our sixth? Or I counted. Uh, I counted Marino round? twice. That was her second round match that she won oh, this okay. afternoon. There you go. See, good job, Owen. Yeah, yeah, not paying so that's attention. Six, well, yeah, I'd seen you put 5-0 and o in the notes this morning, yeah. and then I knew she won this afternoon, so quick math. Coming at you live. 
It's good to be back, baby. Uh, yeah, but Felix threw comfortably. He is his match should be underway now. Just the curious match deeper, so that's what I've got on. Um, Dennis also playing a Swiss player uh, survives the five set match. Uh, the first set, the only one I caught of that one, did not look good for him. Uh, but it looked like he took control in the middle and then comfortably took that fifth set. Um, it it really feels like it's seventy percent confidence for him at this, like the struggles he's had. Uh, a good run up to Medvedev in Cincy, helping with that and getting it. All these first round losses. It's like if he can just win one, have the confidence. Who knows how deep he can go? Um, he's in a tough part of the draw, I think. Nadal and Nori in there with him. Um, so so uh, his best uh, Grand Slam attempt this year uh, ended in a five-setter against Nadal in Australia. So maybe some karma there to revisit, figure things out. Uh, yeah, so that's the Canadian touches. Other notes would be Stefano Tsitsipas getting upset in the first round. Um, probably playing the worst two sets of his career on the pro tour, uh, losing 11 straight games. That was a career high in a row. Um, it, it was bizarre to watch. Um, an opponent, Daniel Galan, who came in playing well, but uh, Tsitsipas just not able to match the level whatsoever until too late. Uh, he found his moments in there, but really got himself into trouble uh, i just wanted to check in on galan now who's playing the australian thompson and they are in the fifth set galan looking good at 5-3 on the serve to come out of that in a four-hour match so uh, the colombian someone i've got my eye on for this tournament uh it was a pretty chaotic first round all around uh yannick sinner and andre rublev both having to go five sets as well and i think rublev uh breaking a streak where the like last three years the ninth seed has lost in the first round there um a lot of chaos there uh, alcaraz a fantastic first round match uh, nadal and medvedev playing pretty clean easy sweeps as well the other thing of note at the U.S. Open is the rule that players are allowed to interact and receive short instruction from their coaches. Haven't seen a lot of impact in that throughout the game. I, I think the long years of most, I guess, at the American college level, that's allowed So at some other uh, lower levels. But for the players who have been on the ATP tour for a long time, a habit that's going to be weird and tough to break for them. Uh, waiting for one of those matches where you really see the difference. Sometimes something you notice in UFC where the corner says something and the adjustment is made and the impact is evident. Uh, when we have a couple of those matches, I think it'll be easier to make up my mind on how I feel about them. I'm somewhat conflicted now. I'm curious to hear if you have any thoughts on the rule change and how it will affect the game for better or worse. So the coaches now cannot be in contact with the player during the game no it's the opposite the like opposite. before they were yeah they were never allowed before but at the u.s open this round or this run they are um i'm for it it's 
it's like any other sport where you meet with it. Like in basketball, you meet with a coach 20 times a game, right? Mm-hmm. It's constant feedback. And so I think it's great for players like our, our friend here, Stefano Tiltsy Pass, uh, where he has a grounding voice and someone who can maybe uh, get get him to get his stuff together and recollect himself and make an adjustment. And I think it'll, I think it'll actually heighten the level of play because you're going to have this sort of uh, extra set of eyes that's helping players make adjustments and, and have that battle of back and forth of how they're making their game and, and attacking different weaknesses or what they've seen. So um, my first gut reaction is it's a positive as long as it's not slowing up to the flow of the match where you're having a timeout to meet with a coach. But if it's something they see that they're communicating down and it leads to a a new wrinkle being added in the chess match that is a tennis match, um, I'm for it. I get the chess match analogy is interesting. Like you've never seen a chess match, whereas the two grandmasters go at it. They have someone to the side typing on a computer going, here are all the possible moves your opponent could make, like factor this into your decision. Um, And that is one of the beautiful things about tennis. It's just you alone there on the court, stuck with all your demons. And uh, that is a horrible, horrible mental torture to put the players through for sure. Um, but the players who can rise above that and uh, conquer their own demons consistently achieve a level of greatness that I think this rule will take them out of. But you're also right that it will be better for the level of game that can be played. Um, it, it's not something we're seeing now, but it's not very hard for me to imagine um, players start investing in live stats that their coach can just sit there, rip on the iPad, and then two sets in, hey, your opponent's missed 65% of the backhand far corner shots, target that side more. Uh, and saying it out loud, my gut reaction is I don't like it. Hmm. Um, Interesting. I think it's something we will never see at Wimbledon or the French, just going by the fact that they don't even allow the Hawkeye to call it. So it's not certainly not something we'll see take over the whole tour. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, and yeah, as you said, five sets, we do not need anything else slowing down the pace of play. Yeah. Um, yeah. So final thoughts in TBD. Um, but there you have it from us on that. Um, We'll move on from the U.S. Open for now. Maybe if you're listening to this podcast and you care about what happened, you can just check the scores. Uh, So that's it for Tennis Talk this episode. Uh, Looking forward to following more U.S. Open later. Oh, I'll throw it to you to wrap up. Yeah, the U.S. Open will be uh, four featured in in our next podcast. And then after that, it is the arrival of the NFL season. Next Thursday, the Super Bowl champion, Los Angeles Rams, taking on the Super Bowl favorites for the new season, Buffalo Bills, on Thursday night, a week from today. Going to be a banger to kick off the new season. I cannot wait. Had my first of two fantasy drafts last night. Didn't go the way I wanted it to, but I learned a bunch for how my uh, how my auction draft is going to go next Monday. Um, and... and 
yeah, I'm just super pumped for the season to get started. I think the Broncos are going to have a good team. I'm apprehensive about the ceiling of the team as uh, as much as others are, but I'm just happy to have a competent quarterback to cheer for and a, a team full of good offensive weapons and a, and a solid defense to uh, complement that. So really looking forward to the NFL season. You'll get a little bit more information on that from me. Uh, in the coming weeks. I know I like to do my fantasy updates as well as uh, keeping in tune with what's going on in the league. So we'll have a bit more of a preview um, uh, on an upcoming pod here before week one. When did the Bills become the favorite? Did they have like a great offseason? They they had a solid offseason, but they've been growing year over year. Uh, Just looking at the trajectory. What was it? They were 38 seconds away from the AFC championship game um, against the Chiefs and, and Mahomes did, did his magic there in, in the very uh, last final seconds of that game. Uh, but the Bills just the most complete team in the NFL now on paper. And, and that is why they are. We'll wrap up here uh, with some baseball as the Toronto Blue Jays in the final stretch run of their season here. Um, One more month left until the playoffs, and the Bluebirds uh, having a bit of a bipolar finish to the season. They sweep their division rivals, the Boston Red Sox, then get swept by the lowly Los Angeles Angels, and now they are on the verge tonight of sweeping the Chicago Cubs as they keep pace with the other wildcard contenders and currently hold a wildcard spot. And uh, it looks more and more likely each day that that's where they're going to end up as the ceiling on their season. They The highest they'll likely finish is the first wild card. There was a brief moment there where we thought they could catch the Yankees when they took three out of four against them. But uh, all for naught. And we will see if they're just able to stay healthy, gain some momentum, play some good baseball, uh, and tune themselves in for a high-stakes first uh, round of the playoffs there with the wild card games and and uh, hoping we can get a little bit more consistency out of Vladdy after a MVP runner-up season he has been inconsistent um, and Matt Chapman's really kind of, kind of been the the best player on the Jays this season so another great offseason pickup that they've just continued to do the last couple of years uh, and looking to see if we can really dial in the pitching we've had some up and downs from Barrios uh, from Kikuchi but we have been getting some great performances from Manoa and Gosman. Uh, so hopefully they can dial in for the playoffs and, and keep things in a good spot. And I will be looking forward to tuning in come October uh, if, if the Jays are continuing to be in a spot because it is a really fun young team and they've still had some awesome moments this season. That's going to do it for sports. I'm so pumped to be back talking with you, Max, and we're about to ramp things up. You've got school coming up. Uh, I've got coaching coming up in the fall here. Uh, I I think we, I don't know, are you going to watch House of the Dragon? Have you started watching that? Is that on your radar at all? It's not on my radar as uh, I had the cord cut on my Crave. Uh, Amazon Prime, though, um, I am currently using and the lord of the rings one which is kind of going to go neck and neck with house of the dragon it seems like um though it's certainly the underdog in the hype race uh, i'm ex- i'm excited for that one i didn't have you for a game of thrones guy though 
I I have not read the books, so no. take that as you as you will. Um, but I did watch through all of the seasons, and I am up to date at least on the in the TV world. Uh, and and I know I'll end up watching it. I haven't started it yet, but I I know it's a must watch, and so we'll see if if we start watching it step by step if we're gonna add another layer of uh, entertainment to the podcast finally a crossover of non-sports for the for the boys (laughs) Uh, uh, interesting term Uh, something I have been watching on prime has been the boys I don't know how much you've heard about that I'm aware and it's yeah (laughs) I mean like I'm the Marvel kind of superhero I'm the superhero guy yeah Yeah, exactly it's a complete like mockery of the idea of like a captain america or um i I don't know maybe some of the more powerful ones but i've been really enjoying that one Um, yes i've i mean people have loved it but yeah yeah, i don't know you want the superheroes to be the good puritan uh completely (laughs) moral characters exactly exactly just like she hulk that's been an interesting ride so far it's a, it's a lawyer show, Max. It's uh-huh. a lawyer show. Yeah, I, I'm. That's what the Hulk iconography is known for. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's that's a little entertainment update. Um, besides that, any final notes here before we send everyone on their way? We're back for the fall. Uh, we'll we'll stay one a week for now, but we'll look to ramp that up once everything really starts going, probably into October. Um. <laughs> And, and looking forward to it. Yeah, usually when we find ourselves wanting to do the NHL or NBA previews, which happen pretty close, I think, historically, is when we've been like, okay, we need two podcasts a week now. Uh, so eyes on for that. U.S. Open uh, updates coming whenever next. And uh, I did want to make a quick mention of Leon Edwards' Kamara Usman knockout. I don't know if you heard about that. I did see that. Oh my that goodness. Um, 90 seconds away from losing the fight and knocks out a guy in one shot who has never been knocked out in his career uh, right up there with Anderson Silva's triangle on Chael Sonnen uh, in a title match against number one pound for pound in the world. Crazy, crazy stuff. Um, a cup UFC kind of gathering some interest for me right now. Super hyped for that Makachev Oliveira title match that's coming up in two months. Yeah. Uh, so not a full combat corner. Just wanted to throw that in there, and uh, we'll end off on some sports for once. So thank you everyone for listening. This one a little longer. A couple technical difficulties throughout the way that hopefully I take care of in the editing. Uh, TBD and. Uh, Fingers crossed that doesn't repeat in the future. Owen's been holding up the peace signs for a good 10, 20 seconds here. So I'll let him uh, drop those sports next door, signing out.